Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about both Dora and the Lost City of Gold and the Peanut Butter Falcon and I'm happy to be joined by my friend Daniel Lima once again to talk about these two movies. Daniel, how's it going? Oh, it's going just dandy. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited to talk about Dora and the Lost City of Gold with Daniel because he has some pretty strong takes on it and, you know, it was a movie that I was kind of am about till I saw that it got pretty good reviews. It's, you know, based on the Nickelodeon animated show that's targeted to basically, what, kids that are like five and under, I'm pretty sure. And uh, it's been on the air since, I guess, 2000, and I've never watched a single second of it. I I guess from the periphery, I knew it was a movie about, uh, or I knew it was a show about like a a little girl that kind of went on explorations and talked very slowly to the camera to teach the audience Spanish and that's literally all I knew and I saw that this was going to be a movie and I was like okay I have no idea what this movie is going to be but it got good reviews it has an actress I really like in Isabella Moner and I'll go and actually do that uh, and check it out and see what it's like so uh, the movie though is live action starring Isabel Moner as the lead character and uh, it actually starts off kind of giving us a little glimpse of what a live action version of the animated show itself might look like and she's playing with her cousin Diego and they're doing exploring things and then all of a sudden we jump fast forward 10 years and Diego's since moved away to go live a normal life with his family in America and Dora's parents want her to go do the same as she enters high school even if she is still about the age of uh, uh, at least in disposition is maybe still five years old. Uh, mm-hmm. Daniel, I, w- did you have any relation with this show? W- what even spurred you to see this movie beyond me saying, you know, hey, it's legit. Like, I mean, what, what were your feelings about this even being a thing that you were going to subject yourself to? Well, I, I'll admit that I was – I'm like you. I was like, yeah, I've never watched the show. You know, it was on at like doctor's offices, at pe- my pediatrician's office, you know, when I would go, when my mother would take me and it would be on the TV. But I never actually watched it. I think both of us were just a bit too old when it came out, you know, to actually, you know, sit down and enjoy the show. No idea. I just knew what you just said. She occasionally talks to the camera to speak Spanish. Swiper, no swiping. There's a monkey. There's a there's another kid. That's basically all I knew. If I had honestly known about the pedigree behind this movie, I probably would have been more excited for it. But based on the trailer, I was like, ah, this could be like a nice little self-effacing thing, but it could also be just kitty garbage. So I'll just <laughs> wait. I'll just wait around, hear what other people say. You said that you liked it, and I had been hearing some good things, some good chatter, and you know, I had nothing better to do. So I was like, all right, let me go see this movie. And I'm gonna tell you, man. Fucking great! This movie—a <laughs> great man. adjective to use for Dora the Explorer movie. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> we, 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 I, that's what I like about this podcast. We can still have the explicit tag for something like Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Dora the uh, Explorer. Uh, so yeah, I mean, when you when you talk about pedigree, what specifically uh, do you mean? Is it just that Nicholas Stoller, who's had like a very interesting career, is all of a sudden behind Dora the Explorer the movie? Yeah, uh, Nicholas Stoller is that guy who like is attached to all these different comedy movies. That you would think, eh, is that something worth checking out? And then other people will tell you, no, 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 that one was really good. The Captain Underpants movie, uh, Storks, Neighbors, Neighbors yeah, 2. Yeah, I told you the guy that directed Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Neighbors and, and wrote Sex Tape is going to be uh, directing <laughs> Dora the Explorer. Like, I don't even know how to process that. Yeah, and then the director uh, apparently was the, a director and writer on The Ali G Show. 
Uh, so he was one of the guys who behind Borat and Ali G and Bruno. Apparently, co-created Flight of the Concords, directed the Muppets movie, written by Stoller. Like these are guys who know how to do a self-aware, silly movie that probably shouldn't exist. Honestly, kind of like it. They remind me a little bit of, um, oh man, the guys behind Lego Movie, Twenty One, Twenty Two Jump Street. Yeah, no, and I mean yeah, almost he, solo. What's the yeah? I mean, he, he travels in those same circles. He's like his his uh, attributions on Wikipedia slash IMDb say he's like a creative consultant on the Lego Lego movies, you know? Yeah, and yeah. and stuff like that. So he's like he's like kind of in with them too, and, and it clearly shows. I mean, the first moment, the first frame of this movie is a this this is this is all these the story is based on true things except foxes don't steal. That's a harmful harmful stereotype. <laughs> right there, I was like, all right, I'm in good hands here, and I was. Yeah, so you have the guys that kind of have the have that kind of those sensibilities, but, I mean, it's still a pretty impressive trick because I, I really like this movie too. I think it's an impressive trick that this movie pulls off that I think it really does manage to, like, be something that can really work just as successfully for five-year-olds as it can for 25-year-olds. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and w- w- what about it did you enjoy so much, though? Well, I, it's a rich premise, the idea that she grows up but is exactly the weird child that you see in the, you know, little show for children. Um, the, I love that little opening where you see how a live-action version of what you saw in that show would entail. She stares into the camera and says, can you say this in Spanish? <laughs> and everyone's, everyone around her looks around like, who is she well, talking to? I mean, I don't know if the, 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 the animated show is that self-aware, but that's what I really appreciate. And I mean, I get it. Like you, like you said, those, the, the, all, Lord Miller and those guys, like, yeah, they're obviously very meta and they're obviously always commenting on stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, they're going to do this. And I, it was just like a pleasant surprise when they had that reaction the first time she broke the fourth wall. I was like, OK, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then to, you know, take her out of that context and place her in a regular <laughs> You know, dry ass high school, every bit as formidable as any jungle. Uh, it's a smart premise, uh, and they well, it kind of use... abandons that premise though pretty quickly. And I again, I still really like the movie, but I could have hung out in that high school for like another half an hour. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, once she after that little prologue, she ends up going to school, meets up with Diego, tries to ingratiate herself in high school, and try to you know, live out, eke out a normal life as a teenager. Honestly, if the whole movie had been that, I might have even liked it more just because it's um, Isabella Moner. Uh, Isabel, Isabella Moner? Yeah. She is fantastic. Um, I saw her, what's, what was the She was I've in both uh, Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado. She played the girl in that. Yeah, she, she was great in that. And she was the oldest kid in Instant Family, which was a great movie. Yeah, I, I didn't catch that. Oh but man, she was you got to see Instant Family. It was so I good. know everyone. Everyone tells me that I wanted to when it came out, but so it goes. It's just funny um, how she's progressively gone from like Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Like it doesn't get much more <laughs> hard R than that to like Instant Family, which is PG thirteen, had some edgy stuff, and now she's like Dora the Explorer. It's it's all yeah, over. Apparently, it's like the range. Appa- apparently, she was the voice of a character in Dora at one point. I don't know, oh, but I didn't um, that. okay, yeah, not Dora herself, but right. yeah, and Isabella Moner is g- great as Dora. Like, she really captures that exuberant youth that weirdness and well at the same yeah. time like i didn't know anything about the character other than like the few things i kind of knew about the animated show going in though at the same 
time I was like, wow, isn't it just going to get annoying hearing someone like talk to the screen like that and just be like all perky and peppy and all the time. And I feel like in the wrong hands, like that maybe is the case, but like she just kind of wins you over. And I just smiled like every time she like all of a sudden said something back very enthusiastically when that wasn't really what the tone of the moment was, but that's who Dora is. There's one, I hope this, I, this could end up just being us quoting lines at each other, which is the sign of a really good no, but comedy. Do it all, but, no, but I haven't seen it in two weeks, so I can't really do that, but I'm happy for you to do it as much as you want. <laughs> there's, there's like this moment where she's trying to, you know, survive in the high school environment and, you know, she's trying to keep a good face, but you can, you know, clearly nobody is digging her and she's having a tough time adapting. Uh, at one point, the like, you know, high strung, like class president type girl who's clearly like her adversary um, corners her in the bathroom and says like, you know, oh, if you aim at the after she like upstages her in class or something. And this girl to, says to Dora like, oh, if you aim at the queen, you better not miss because nothing's more dangerous than a wounded animal. And Dora just says, Oh, well, there's a lot of things more dangerous than a wounded animal. <laughs> a not wounded animal, for example. <laughs> and that's indicative of both the quality of Isabella Mona's performance, that she's able to play every moment in exactly the same tone and yet make it so rich. And to the quality of the dialogue, every sing- almost every single joke is like that. It is but she just cuts through, smart. She just cuts through another really serious statement and in a way that just like – Puts a smile it's, on your face. Yeah, it's disarming in a way that makes you right. go, oh, I'm so glad that I'm watching this. Um, but yes, uh, you know, she goes, she meets up with uh, Diego, honestly. Uh, you know, a big part of this movie should be the bond between her and Diego. Um, and while I think this movie does have a lot of heart to it, you know, she, uh, I'm sorry, like when she, she's in the high school environment, but shortly after she ends up being kidnapped by mercenaries out to look for her family uh, because her parents are out searching for like a lost Inca city. And uh, they end up capturing her and a couple other high school kids, Diego, that girl I was talking about her earlier. Her name is Sammy and the other kid who's just kind of like the nerd that has a little bit of a crush on Dora. His name is yeah. Randy. His name is Randy. The white guy comic relief, which yes. I appreciate. Under something I should mention is that because, you know, this is Dora the Explorer. The show is famous for, you know, trying to teach Spanish to young kids. And um, I think that they really carried that uh, right. attention to, to like the diversity of the show. Um, almost all of these characters are, you know, minorities. It's a very diverse cast. Uh, the, the one white guy who's in it is the comic relief guy. Yeah, which, him, which might otherwise in like other movies be the black guy. Yeah, exactly. I kind of appreciated that. And he does a good job. This is a really strong cast all around. Uh, Michael Pena and Eva Longoria are her parents. And would you, would you great rather uh, would you have rather uh, uh, Michael Pena played Alejandro or did or did you really like that actor that played Alejandro? Uh, I liked Alejandro, but okay. I mean, I'm down for more Michael Pena in any context. Yeah, that's the thing. When I when, when I saw he was in this movie, I assumed it was going to be a bigger part. So yeah, uh, I wish he was in it more, but you know, so it goes. I like the guy who played uh, uh, Alejandro is the uh, is this uh, friend of the families who you know frees the kids from the mercenaries and then helps them to find their parents. Um, it leads to a twist that is honestly. Pretty, pretty obvious if you've ever seen a movie, <laughs> but, but honestly, it's just so much fun that you don't care. You just want to see what happens when it gets there. But the one, honestly, the one weak link I think is Diego, 
uh, while they're in that new L.A. environment and he's able to just be this this kid who's kind of over all the things that he did as a child. Uh, and he just is trying to keep his head down, survive high school. And then he <laughs> did, has you, did you laugh when she gave him half of the candy bar? <laughs> he was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great moment. Um, and I really wish that the movie had tackled their bond a little bit more. Yeah, I uh, kind of bought it when he's like, when they, the other two have a chance to leave, he's like, you know, I'm going to stay. I feel the need to do this. I kind of bought that decision, but I don't know if I, you, like you're saying, like you really bought that they had a deep enough bond that like they would ultimately be like tight again. You know? And I think ultimately that's down to the performance of Diego. I'm not sure who that guy is. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Um, but uh, he's when he's being like the kid trying to keep his head down in high school, like it it works, that kind of very subdued performance. But yeah. once they're in the jungle setting, everyone else is on the same level. Well, I couldn't tell. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. But like I, I also wasn't like totally like – wowed by the other two kids too but i didn't want to like judge him too harshly because it might just mean like uh, isabella monero is such like a better actress than them like it might not even be any fault of their own it's just she's that good but like she is running circles around right but like i was like maybe it's just like next to maybe they're not actually that bad she's just that good but like i was like because they have someone of that quality next to the other three it's kind of inevitable that like they're just not going to seem as good and that was kind of like just them overall just i just didn't buy them even as much as the other adult characters too I did buy them, um, I, but I think they also have a little bit more to work with. You know, the Sammy is the high-strung girl who eventually gets won over by Doris Charms, uh, in spite of the fact that Doris is the kind of person who will dig her a hole to poop in while singing a song about poop, <laughs> which was hilarious. Hilarious. I've never I've, – every time – it's funny because before this movie, you know, there's, they play the trailers for all the kids' movies coming out, and every single one had an – awful poop joke that made me go oh god this is why i don't watch kids movies what am i doing in this theater and then you get to this the the poop set pieces they're in the jungle the high strung girl needs to use the bathroom and then dora leads her away digs her a hole sings her a song about how everybody needs to go poop (laughs) and it's it's just so funny isabella moner this 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 dialogue man it's just a fantastic out of this world but anyways, what was I saying? Uh, she has more to work with because her character falls into a kind of archetype, the comic relief guy. You know, he's not wowing me necessarily, but, you know, he's at least got something to do. Diego just is still as dour as he was in sure. in the school. And if this was about how those two are, you know, coming together and bonding, I mean, it, it would make sense for him to be a little more animated, but that's a minor complaint. Honestly, the heart of this movie, you know, the family, the trying to live, you know, be live your live life to the fullest, live as yourself, not conform to society standards. Uh, I think it all generally works. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, it, it, it doesn't hit quite as hard once they get into the jungles, but that's only because, you know, the they're on well, a pulpy adventure, so right. you don't have much time for it. What did, what, did you, what did you think about how it handled those various uh, hijinks they got into in the jungle? Oh, uh, they were fun. They were, they were, it was a lot of fun. I'll admit that it's not like your this movie's going to win awards for, like, breathtaking action. Or, or, or like, visual effects. 
or visual effects, certainly not. But this movie, honestly, uh, was made on like a $40 million budget. Which is pretty impressive. 49, 49. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's better than one would expect for a Nickelodeon live action movie. Um, But, you know, like I said, it's not like the, 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 you know, they have to go through the requisite like, oh, we got to solve the puzzle to get to the lost city. And it's nothing, nothing ever very like interesting to watch i'm gonna admit well how about um, the fa- is it interesting that a disney a nickelodeon uh adaptation of a kids movie had a a, a very extended uh drug sequence oh man <laughs> how did i forget about that oh my god yeah this is the kind of this is the level this movie yeah that's the, mo- the level this movie is operating on the, there's a scene where they're going through a field of flowers that start sporing and then Dora and Diego get high and then it's animated the same way as the TV show and it's it's bonkers I was staring at it like wow they let them just do yeah. this in a kids, and it's PG kids movie. it's it's bonkers and that's the kind of ingenuity that you know even though the actual mechanics of the plot aren't anything to sniff at and the action isn't anything to sniff at, I mean, they're still – the people making this movie were operating on a higher level than the material might have you know, warranted, and it really does show. Right. It's like the Seinfeld episode, The Contest. You know, It's like they just, just left it – leave it unsaid and just like – you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you can get away with it. That was on network TV. You know, yeah. Uh, so yeah. here they can they can do the same kind of thing with with drugs and just give the kids a bunch of funny shapes and colors to look at, and then we we can just kind of laugh at the fact that they're actually doing this in a door of the Explorer movie. Uh, oh so yeah, I I I, re- I really appreciated that, and yeah, I mean, as far as like them going into the Lost City and like having to do uh, various, uh, I guess I didn't really even really finish the plot, but I mean, anyone that's listened to this has probably already seen the movie, but you know, mm. like their whole thing is like the, the mercenaries are like, Oh, we got to go find your parents who have already gone off to look for this uh, lost city of gold. And they end up finding the city and they they have to do various puzzles. Like you kind of see anyone have to do in any kind of hidden city castle type of uh, movie, but at least they're like kind of commenting on it too. And kind of at least acknowledging the fact that they're not really doing anything all that original. It's like, Oh, this is the thing where like something's going to happen in this room. So now we yeah, it's very, this it, room. it is very 22, 21, 22 jump street. Yeah. Like acknowledging the mechanics of the plot while you do it. And normally this is the kind of thing that it, it can kind of bug me when you kind of are asking for credit for acknowledging your the tropes of the movie without ever subverting them. I think it's something that a lot of lazy yeah. movies do, like Deadpool. Um, but it feels but, not. But it, but it certainly feels just novel to do it in a kid's movie, so I'm like, okay, Yeah, cool. it feels a little novel to do it in a kid's movie. It feels fresh because of, you know, the actual interactions between all these characters. It it just makes you laugh. Uh, there's a scene where they have to escape from like quicksand. And of course, you know how it's going to play out. They're going to come out fine because that's how these movies operate. But I thought they put a, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I thought they put a unique kind of twist on that. You know, like the way they showed, like how you have to contort your body to deal with it. I feel like I haven't really seen ex- that exact. I mean, we've seen people get sucked into quicksand hundreds of times in movies, but like, I didn't really feel like they ever kind of like resolve it exactly like that, which was interesting. Yeah, fair, fair enough. But you know, I I was looking at it and thinking, wow, this is a very long scene, considering that you know, we we all know that they're gonna get out. So, but um, immediately after that, um, 
the uh, they manage the, the kids get out first, and then they have to rescue the adult guy who's helping them. And then after after they help him out, he starts crying and saying, "I thought I was gonna die," and it just becomes a very cringe comedy awkward scene where the kids are looking at each other going like man it's always it's always really awful when an adult cries you never know where to look (laughs) and it's they managed to wring such a you know novel like moment out of this you know pretty bog standard scene and uh yeah that's just the level this movie's operating on it's great yeah and i don't really have a lot else to say because you know we didn't talk a ton about their interactions you know, with these mercenaries, but I really don't remember any of them other than who it turns out the main one was. So I, I just don't yeah, have it on that. There's, a, there's not a whole lot of it. Oh, I will say that um, Swiper does show up as like he ta- he's like working with the mercenaries, but I guess he has no familiarity. It's not the same Fox that um, Dora would pretend to see and face. You, you are aware of Swiper from the TV show, at least, right? No. Oh my you, I, god! I never watched a TV show. I, don't know. I mean, look, I never watched it. All right, so I heard I would heard of Boots. I hadn't heard of Swiper. Oh, okay, yeah. So the villain in the TV show is Swiper, who's always trying to get his hands on. I don't know. I haven't watched enough of the show to know what he's trying to get his hands on. But he'll try to steal it, and in the background, you know, the fox will be going in and taking whatever, and Dora will look at the camera and like say to the kids watching, like, "Oh, what are you saying? You see Swiper? And oh, we need to say together, Swiper, no swiping, and then." You know, she says swiper no swiping three times, and then the fox goes, oh, man, and then <laughs> leaves. That's what the joke at the beginning of the movie was referring to about, you know, foxes don't steal. That's a hopeful stereotype. Gotcha. And so, you know, he pops up here, and it's – I mean, yeah, Boots is a CGI creature, but he's clearly supposed to be like a monkey, be it a stylized one. Um, swiper is a fox that speaks English, and nobody – Nobody seems to really care. It's funny, and it's played for comedy, and it works. It's no one cares, really but then funny. It's a, but then it's a big deal when uh, Boots talks and is voiced by Danny Trejo. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten. I remember hearing somewhere that Boots was voiced by Danny Trejo, but I had completely forgotten about it until the scene where he just talks. And it is – I was the. I think I might have been the only person laughing throughout that entire scene. How could you not laugh at that? Even if you don't know who Danny Trejo is, it just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I knew I recognized who Swiper was. Do you know who Swiper yeah, was? Yeah, Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro. I, 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 I think I forgot about that until after the movie, too. But, yeah, it's kind of it's oh funny because, you know, like they, 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 the two of them spend all along – like the two of them spend like the bulk of Sicario 2 together. And now Benicio Del Toro <laughs> is playing Swiper in yeah. a movie where she's playing Dora. So that's kind of yeah. funny. But, yeah, yeah I mean, like I, I don't know. I don't really have a ton else to add to it. Is there anything else you want to touch on on it? Um, I will say that um, this might be just because I happen to be reading a book about, you know, pre-Columbian America, but I thought that the incorporation of, like, Inca mythology, I think it ties into, like, what I was saying earlier about how it's such a diverse cast, which is very nice to see in, like, a movie aimed at, you know, younger audiences. Uh, Diversity is important, and it's nice to see that it extends not only to – the casting, but also, you know, what's actually in these movies. Um, I'm so used to seeing like in these pulpy adventure movies that, you know, indigenous cultures are portrayed in less than flattering lights, you know, temple of doom, what have you. And, uh, here it's treated with respect. I agree Um, with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that's, you know, it, it doesn't 
it doesn't register as strongly to me, but I like the idea that, you know, kids are watching this movie and going like, oh, yeah, the Incas, a proud, you know, civilization that was just as every bit as impressive as, you know, all the old white guys that I've read about and <laughs> told them. So I appreciated that. Yeah, no, it was uh, that that's definitely something that was pretty pretty well done too even if they didn't have like a ton of screen time i mean it's still like i don't know it, it felt respectful but yeah i don't know i, I one other thing i'll say is that you know you said that it's actually a 50 million dollar budget and uh and it's only made 61 million to date so i think it's kind of a shame you know i feel like there's like a ton of territory to mine if they wanted to make another movie just because like we said they uh didn't spend a lot of time in that high school and the movie ends with her going back to los angeles so i'll just say like i hope that could somehow happen uh, that'd be really cool if we got to see her uh, existing in that world for longer and still do other some kind of adventure. But I, I'm not optimistic it's going to happen given the box office. Uh, yeah. that, unfortunate, that, unfortunate. Yeah, I know. this is a sad thought, but I, I definitely like. I'm sure this movie will hang around theaters for another few weeks at, at the time people are watching this. And I guess I just want to encourage people, like even if you're like in your mid to late 20s, like we are, and you just think Dora the Explorer. Why the hell would I care about a movie like that? Like I just encourage people to go see it. You know. Yeah, this is one of those movies that it's such a visual and, you know, delightful, uh, uh, energetic treat. I mean, I have it at number six of the year. It almost managed to get higher than that. Like, it almost managed to score, like, a five if only they had done, like, if only, like, the stuff with the cousin had been a little tighter. If only the ending had been just a bit tighter. It could have been, like, a perfect movie. But it comes pretty damn close. Wow, that's, that is high praise. I don't know if I had it uh... – that high in my personal rankings, or if I've even oh yeah updated my it personal rankings, it kicks the ass. That? It is better than any Indiana Jones movie I have seen. Oh wow, I didn't update my rankings yet. I don't know. I think it definitely it definitely probably be in the top half though. I, I I really enjoyed this movie too. It really surprised me. Highly recommend everyone go see it. So mm. moving on, then uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon, which is the movie from new movie from first time writer directors Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. It, it follows. Uh, Excuse me, Zach, a 22-year-old man with Down syndrome who lives in a retirement home in North Carolina. He is cared for by a nurse named Eleanor, played by Dakota Johnson. He is roommates with an old man, played by Bruce Dern, named Carl. And it's his. he doesn't think he's meant for this life. He wants to get out of this nursing home and go to the train with at the wrestling school of a wrestler named the Saltwater Net Redneck that he watches a video of on a loop who's played by uh thomas hayden church when he on, on one of his escape attempts from the nursing home he is running from different people and uh ends up in the back of a uh, a back of a boat that is taken by shia labeouf's character tyler who is kind of a troubled fisherman who gets into some trouble with some sketchy characters uh played by john hawks and a character that is played by a rapper apparently named Yellow Wolf. Wasn't yeah, yeah, Yellow Wolf. I remember I saw the I saw the credits and I saw Yellow Wolf swimming and I was like, oh, that's what he's been up to. Yeah, I remember back in 2012 where he was supposed to be the next Eminem. Yeah, so uh, Shia LaBeouf's character Tyler kind of pisses them off by messing up their boating equipment and uh, that. That, that that warrants murder so uh because because zach is stuck on noah's boat and he's trying to get away from these guys they end up going on the run and uh you know they end up uh at first uh, zach, uh tyler's pretty resistant to really being friends at all with zach but then you know their bond forms over the course of this movie as they get into these uh various hijinks uh i just i just found this to be a pretty uh delightful movie that uh still at the same time dealt with some uh fairly dark subject matter but i mean it's just uh it's just really sweet and i'm wondering what you thought of this because i really haven't had a chance to talk to you about it uh, what did you did you like this movie uh yeah i think i did 
that's it. There, are, there. I have some. I have some issues with it uh, concerning how they, you know. All right, so I'm going to be honest with you. I went into this movie. I didn't know what it was about. I just knew that it was a movie called Peanut Butter Falcon and it had Shia LaBeouf. I literally knew nothing beyond that either, which is not an experience I get that often. The movies, you know, I inevitably learn something about movies before I go into it, and I knew nothing. Yeah, I I was just going into this, and I was like, all right, if they don't say the words Peanut Butter Falcon, I'm giving this two stars. I don't care. (laughs) But, um, you know, when I realized that this was going to be a Huck Finn kind of thing with, like, an able-bodied man— and like a disabled kid, a disabled man, honestly, uh, I at first I was like, oh, God, is this going to be one of those disabled guys, the prop to let the able bodied guy learn more about himself and being a better person? And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, not it's not not that, but I think not, it's done better than that. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like they give that uh, the, 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 the uh, who's the guy who's has Down syndrome who it's, plays it's, it's an actor who actually has Down syndrome. His name is Zach Gottsigan. Yes, Zach Gottsigan. He is phenomenal. He is phenomenal in this movie uh, as is Shia LaBeouf. And their, you know, relationship and interactions are the heart of the movie. And because of how strong those two characters are, I, I can't not like this movie. Uh, apparently, most of the dialogue is improvised. Oh, and I didn't the know direct- that. Yeah, uh, honestly, I know this because Ben... Ben had seen a Q&A with the, you know, directors and cast. Did Ben like the movie? I didn't see it. No, no, he, he really didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> he really didn't. But um, he had said that at that Q&A, the directors learned that the actors had, like, rehearsed their scenes, like, on set before they started shooting. They genuinely thought that they were just, like, really, really good. Oh. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think that, you know, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Zach, Dakota Johnson, honestly, I thought was pretty good. I mean, it's a pretty, th- um, it's a pretty thankless role, but yeah, I, I usually enjoy her when she shows up and stuff. But man, like, Shia is like a really freaking good actor when he wants to be, you know? Oh yeah, it's definitely. really like right. I, you know, he's like obviously had like fairly troubled life off screen, which is going to be depicted in Honey Boy coming out later this year. I'm not going to lie. At first, I thought that's what this movie was going to be. What do you? I mean? thought that this movie was. Like the biopic directed by him, starring. Him. Oh, oh, you 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 didn't know what the the actual name of the, that one was, so you thought no, it was no. the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, apparently he's really good in that movie too, and he's so he's going to have a bit of a moment here this year if that movie that movie got really good early reviews as well. But it's like, it's just like he went through such a a stretch there from I guess like like I, I don't know like basically like I don't know from a, after the last Transformers movie came out, which I don't even think I saw, and then it, it was like from then to basically american honey like i mean did like fury and nothing else i saw and a lot of it was rather kind of obscure and um a couple things i guess some people saw i don't know charlie countryman movie in the company you keep and nothing that really like uh made it made that much of a mark and it was like i think people might maybe just forgot a little bit that this guy's like a i don't know you can just turn it on i'm really impressed when people can turn it on when they're kind of crazy and like i if you watch any interview with them it's like you can tell this guy is I don't want to say he's a screw loose, but he's wired differently and in a way where it's harder to just like envision him like becoming another character. But he like so convincingly does it with this guy who's obviously not in a good place in life. He's lost his older brother who is very oddly played by John Bernthal with like 
I don't know, maybe like three lines of dialogue, which is no zero lines of oh, dialogue. Oh, zero lines of dialogue. Okay. Yeah, cool. no, he it's all flashbacks. You get flashback images because you, you know, uh Shia LaBeouf's character had lost his brother in an accident before the events of the movie. Right. And so as he bonds with this uh with this disabled man, you see that he's also kind of like, you know, getting over the loss of his brother, and so they you know, and I'm going to admit that's probably one of the weaker parts of this movie. This movie suffers when it gets too far into that Sundancey, like Hallmark Lifetime movie. Right, you know, yeah. So it's also just it's it also just weird that they it's just it's weird they like enlisted a guy like John Bernthal. They could have just easily had an unknown there. And it, 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 <laughs> I honestly, I love seeing John Bernthal turn up for like well, he these, did that. In, he you know, did that in Widows. In Widows, he was like one of the guys there, but had like in the original crew. But it's like. Uh, Liam Neeson obviously had a bigger part in that movie, but like all the other people in that crew that get whacked in Widows or on actors that really aren't that popular. Then it's like there's John Bernthal to have like yeah. two lines with Elizabeth Debicki and nothing else. It's like what are you he doing? He only has he only had one scene in Baby Driver, and yet he's yeah, we remember him from Baby Driver. Well, he always had like something more substantive to do there, I would say. But yes, uh, your 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 point is your point is well taken. It's just kind of funny that a guy that's like had some very big parts is like down it is like show up in like a very very r- random indie movie from these first time writer directors and not say a word it's just very strange but what did you think about the message of the movie well what do you think the message is well that's one of the issues i have with it okay so i mean i i took it i mean i took it to mean like look you gotta that you gotta open yourself up to people you know and i mean Again, like we're saying, it's not the best thing in the world if it's about how the disabled person or the minority or whatever helps this other white protagonist kind of find themselves. And I I don't know. I I think the movie more definitely kind of handles that kind of story and about just like how, you know, being shut off from the world is not really going to be a good thing. And uh, you can find inspiration in different causes. And I guess the the Dakota Johnson character has the same thing. The uh, Thomas Hayden Church character finds has the same thing. And uh, I I get they're all kind of using this kid to like kind of find some meaning in life. And again, like it just didn't feel as exploitive to me. And it's more just like, look, if you can try and find um, some purpose in unlikely places, that can be a good thing. Yeah. um, Here's the thing. This movie clearly wants to, you know, push back against certain images about disabled people that media have propagated. The idea that, you know, they, there are people with like their own inner lives, with their own desires and wants and dreams, uh, that they aren't they aren't capable, that they need to be coddled. No, and I it also say, touches just upon friends. And yeah, and it also tackles like you know the total failure of like you know the American healthcare's infrastructure to like help people with disabilities live rich lives. They just kind of forget them. They stick them wherever, you know, wherever that they can shuttle them off, wherever they've got room, and then just leave them to languish in old folks' homes, in like, you know, uh, at what, uh, you know, room, how, uh, what's it called? Piercing home? Uh, yeah, nursing homes, substance abuse, like places for like to help people with substance abuse problems. Like they don't do shit with them. And the movie is trying to push back against it, but also some of its arguments veer into a territory, which makes me think, I don't know if these guys, whoever, you know, the writer directors of this movie, um, are the best people to tackle this topic. Like there's a scene, uh, toward the middle of the movie when, uh, uh, Dakota Johnson's character joins their little crusade and, uh, She's a you know she's one of the one of the caretakers at the nursing home and she's out trying to find the the, the man with Down syndrome, and uh, 
her and Shia both get into this confrontation where he's like, you shouldn't be coddling him. And she's like, yo, you took him on like a hundred mile long road trip with you have no accountability. You've known him for only like two days. Well, he says to what her, you... like, it's not nice when you call him retarded. And she's like, well, I didn't call him retarded. He's like, no, but like the way but you you're treat acting him. like, yeah. yeah. And like on the look, I don't know too much about. You know, people who live with Down syndrome. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I, but I also am not sure that these guys know too much. And so I wonder if the message that they're pushing that, like, oh, th- they, I don't know if they're trying to push that what these guys are doing is okay. Look, this movie does operate on a sort of like dream logic, sort of like the idea that this lady is able to track these two on the lamb on a you know a bunch of dirt roads going down the coast from like North Carolina to Florida not only that but the guy after like uh Shia, the guys after Shia LaBeouf well, I think the, the, whole, the whole thing the whole thing isn't the whole thing is in the North Carolina Outer Banks I'm pretty sure which I mean st- I, I your point is well taken yeah, I, no, had no, the, I had I had the same thought in the movie but there's a certain idealization of like you know what's going on it's not entirely like you know real life and that becomes pretty clear toward the end of the movie but at the same time these you know they're clearly trying to send a message about how we treat mental you know uh people with disabilities in the real world and i don't know if those entirely mesh well so when you know shia labeouf is like angrily confronting her about how she coddles him by like trying to provide him care (laughs) I, i i'm i'm not sure if that message should be the one that they're sending out yeah i get you uh, it reminded me a little bit of like when i see like a movie about race that's written by white guys you can always kind of tell that the maybe the person behind these words aren't the best people to be tackling this topic but well, well green think, didn't green book win, win the oscar for best <laughs> at, at, at screenplay i mean come on oh, what are you talking about christ yeah like he said white guys couldn't write about race uh, I, I I should eat my words right now, but yeah, no. Uh, I I that being said, like this movie does, you know, it does do some good things. Uh, it does give this character agency. I I, appreciate I, I see what you're what saying. It it's like an interesting life. tightrope to walk, and I don't know. Like I'm not sure what the best version of that would have looked like, but I kind of see what you're saying. It's like it's weird to portray her for being in the wrong for like not wanting to let him just wander out do whatever he wants because it probably isn't for the best uh but yeah it might not be and maybe it is i i genuinely don't know but i'm not sure that these guys necessarily do yeah i know i I feel now i feel kind of bad that i didn't do a little more research into down syndrome i feel like maybe there might be certain degrees of it with a certain degree you might be able to live independently and he, he was just obviously not raised traditionally and didn't have a family so probably didn't learn as much as he probably could have and received the kind of treatment that might get one to the point where they could live independently and it's obviously not quite at that point but uh i i definitely see what you're saying where it's like this is where it gets kind of tough when you're tackling real life issues but also you want to tell this huck finn kind of adventure story in the american south 
it's it's complicated, but I think that for the most part, the movie is enjoyable enough for me to put those qualms aside. Yeah, so it seems like you, uh, I mean, you, you talked about them like largely improving the dialogue, but it seems like uh, you, you really bought their chemistry, and, you, and if you could, if you were able to set aside maybe a few of those issues we just talked about, like you did find it pretty enjoyable when they were just kind of like out there and hanging out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I can't, I, you know, maybe it's, you know, it might be, uh, what's it called? Some of those scenes, even the mawkish, overly sentimental scenes, they, they, they work, man. They work. And it's all on these performances. Oh, one more thing. I will say that the scene with the black dude, not sure how I felt about that. Yeah. I mean, why can't it just be a, like a regular old, why can't it just be a black guy that can see that just has an interesting uh, it's, it's, thought? It does. It veers uncomfortably toward magical Negro. Well, I wouldn't um, say even say it's magical Negro. He just throws him a bunch of junk. But it's like it, it did feel like something weirdly that like I'd seen before. Yeah, it, it honestly it didn't make me as uncomfortable as it could have because it, it, it they don't seem to be like trying to like make a character just based on his race, but also. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that scene. It's hard to square it with like the rest, at least like, you know, the stuff that I feel uncomfortable with about how they talk about um, people with disabilities, at least that stuff. Like I can see where they're coming from and what they're trying to do and say with the black guy. I, I don't know. I can't square that with what the movie is trying to do. And so it really does stick out like a sore thumb. That being said, when he, when this blind guy says to them, "Yeah, I knew you was white. I, I could smell you." That's, <laughs> that's funny. I I can't lie. That's yeah, funny. I, that's, I, I that's, honestly, that's I just funny. kept. Th- I kept thinking of the whole movie, like, uh, just because uh, Tyler had been already on the run for a while, and then it's like they go three days, just like living on the land. I was like, man, he must stink right now. Like when he's hitting on her in the convenience store, I was like, how is she just like not vomiting right now? Like with this guy like all up in her business. I, that, I assume uh, like we've, we've all know what sweat smells like. I Come guess. On. Yeah. I feel like he might've been a few steps beyond sweaty. Uh, I'm going <sighs> to, I'm going to, I feel like we haven't really talked about like the very end of this movie too much. So, I mean, not that it's like a, a lot of spoilery type of stuff, but I'd say if, 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 if you like what we've talked about so far, and you're intrigued by the peanut butter falcon go away and come back because i want to talk about a couple things that happened at the end of this movie and and just how and just how the movie kind of landed uh what where did you daniel where did you think things were uh headed with the the saltwater regnet character and uh how did you ultimately feel about the thomas hayden church's uh turn in this movie um well i actually i don't know how i feel about the ending like I do appreciate, like, I mean, we all kind of knew going in, like, you know, oh, so they're going to get there and he's not going to be the guy that they think they are. He is. And then, you know, when you when it does happen, you're if you you, you've watched a movie, you know how it's going to go. You know, oh, well, we've got time. He's going to sh- actually teach the guy how to wrestle. I actually didn't and- see that coming. I mean, I guess I probably should have. But I was <laughs> I was just like very pleasantly surprised. I'd, I'd just been expecting him to be like polite enough and then be like go away that's a that's that's a life that's not for me anymore so i I was actually like really thrilled and pleasantly surprised when it turns into what it does yeah so eventually you know uh zach does get to step into the ring and you know at first it looks like you know he's gonna be creamed by this guy who doesn't give a shit about him uh and then he you know 
finds that inner strength and he goes and he flings him, flings this dude into the air using a move that was told to him was absolutely impossible, which I don't, I don't know how that makes me feel because I think part of this movie is about, you know, I were early on in the movie, the, 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 the Shia LaBeouf and Zach are having a, I, I love how I'm calling Shia LaBeouf's character Shia LaBeouf, but you can just say having, Shia too. Yeah. They're having this conversation. They're having a heart to heart. And Shia says, yo, you know, you know, there are some things that you will never be able to do. You're going to, you're never going to be an Olympic swimmer. You're never going to be, you know, uh, what, what else he said, like a sprint runner, but you know what, that's fine. Uh, most people are never going to be that, but you can be the best version of you, you know, that kind of thing. And like, it resonates pretty well in that moment. But then by the end of the movie, he's able to do literally impossible things. Uh, and I, I, I didn't mind it kind of going to that place, though. I was like, OK, I, cool. I, it's it, going to be a little more fantastical. Yeah, I wouldn't have mind because, like I said, like we, like we said, like, you know, clearly this movie is operating on some kind of idealized version of the American South. You know, I, I'm, I'd be cool with that. It actually kind of reminded me of the ending of uh, of uh, oh, what was that movie? The one with the, the farting corpse directed oh, by the Swiss Daniels. Swiss Army Man, the ending of Swiss Army Man. But, I forgot, do you like um, that movie? Uh, yeah, mostly. Okay. Um, but it kind of ties into my earlier you know, complaint about how this movie, it's tough to square this kind of you know, heightened reality with what they're trying to say about people with disabilities. Because I, I look at that where he flings him into the air you know, in a way that is not physically possible. And I think, are they trying to say that, no, these people are capable of things that, you know, we would never expect from them, but that are actually impossible if we just allow them the opportunity? Because I don't know if that's always the case, but I I, I don't know. It ties into that uncomfortableness I felt earlier on in the movie. Hmm. And then then, uh, the debtors catch up to them and, like, knock out. Shia LaBeouf with a crowbar. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I got really worried at that moment because I thought that the ending of this movie would be, oh, and now he's brain damaged. And so oh, now God. I, that didn't even yeah, occur to me. I, yeah, I got really scared really quick. But fortunately, that's not. They end up all going to Florida to live out new lives. I thought maybe he um, might be dead. I, I mean, I, I guess I maybe really shouldn't have thought that because I'd heard everything about how happy this movie was. But for a second, I thought they were going to go there because they kind of do the fake out with her getting the news in the hospital and crying. Yeah. I mean, once I realized that they weren't going to go that route with the brain damage, I was like, all right, he's probably fine. I don't know how familiar you are with South Florida. Um, just in general, I I, kind of liked how this is as South as I've ever been. You've never been to like West Palm beach for Lauderdale, Miami at all. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, interesting. I guess I hadn't really been here till like I I hadn't been here all that much before I moved here either. But I mean, he seems to think that Jupiter is like this like quaint little fishing village, and it's it just kind of reminds him maybe of home a little bit, but it's just somewhere somewhere that's not home. But like Jupiter is like super bougie. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. This might be just you know two guys writing about Florida. They just like the name. I guess I was just going to say Jupiter. I I just got a kick out of that because I mean, there, yeah, maybe there might be some people that are a a little bit more like Tyler there, but for the most part, like it's like a very, very bougie area that yes, you can go fishing there, but you know, it's not exactly like the little quaint town he made it out to be. It's not a big town, 
but it's like a very, very like affluent town. And I thought it was kind of funny that like he had this version of it in my head. I was like, I live less than twenty minutes from there, and I don't know if you really know what it's like, but I hope you have. A, I hope you have a very successful uh, second act of your life, running charters and teaching people how to fish. Yeah, I think that they're heading to like in the movie. I think that the Jupiter they're heading to is in North Florida, also. So it might just be just. Oh, I, I do you think know. I remember him saying North Florida, and I was like, Yeah, I think it might right. just be like it might be a different Jupiter. It might just be bad research. Yeah. He might have just made a place up. Who knows? Whoever, the guys that wrote the script just like didn't look at a map, I guess. Um, yeah, who knows? Uh, I got a kick out of that. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I, I left. I just left the movie feeling really good. Yeah, I mean, I did like the half my qualms. I can't lie. But I mean, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna like front. This was fun. I enjoyed this movie for most of its run. The little lines of dialogue. I mean, I, it's hard to remember because there's so much. This is a very dialogue-driven movie, um, and a lot of it just feels natural for that moment. But in a the lot moment of the, that it's dated. Sorry, go ahead. But so, like, it's hard to you know bring it up on based on memory but like yeah no a lot of this the dialogue really is rich and it says a lot about each of these characters and the place that they're the setting that they're in um it's really it really pulls you in i really like that but i mean a lot of it also i think the just their relationship uh, i mean yes you're right a lot of it is driven by dialogue but a lot of them uh really sweet moments that tell you a lot about the bond they formed are nonverbal and just the, the way that they interact with each other. I think there's like a scene where they kind of wrestle a little bit. There's just the, the way that he implicitly trusts him when he like just dunks his head in the water kind of aggressively, but Zach doesn't like take it as a threat. He's like trust him and is comfortable enough around Tyler that he doesn't actually like, he's not worried about it at all or anything like that. And, uh, I don't know, just the way they interact, like, like just like brothers roughhousing, but they're these guys that just met, but I don't, but, I, but I, totally by the fact that they would interact like that that i just found really impressive and i guess it is just a testament to these actors finding this really quick chemistry together yeah i agree there's a lot of great little physical nonverbal moments uh I remember there's there was another part where they're slapping each other i think yeah where they're slapping each other sitting at the edge of the raft that's one of those moments where honestly they're cutting back to like moments with uh shia's brother john bernthal and it could it, it's one of the more mawkish parts of the movie, and yet that was one of the ones that kind of worked. It just worked because, you know, uh, Zach and Shia just have that fucking bond, man, and it comes through in the film. Yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts on this one before we sign off? I mean, it was just – it's a good movie, man. It's a good movie. A little Sundancey at times, and I'm not sure about the message, but uh, I don't – think that anyone's going to regret checking it out yeah i will say that like i kind of agree like the message could have just been a little better as far as um I, that was an interesting point you made as far as just our healthcare system you know i i, I just finished watching uh the C- C- series finale of orange is the new black i don't know if you ever watched that show but uh you know it's i mean it follows all these female characters in in this prison system over the course of several years and one thing that really struck me while I was watching it was there's like a few characters on that show that just have some sort of mental illness and it just like almost never gets talked about. Like they might call a character crazy here and there, but like the thought of even getting them help is like not really ever discussed all that much. And it's frustrating, but it's very true to like how we function now as a society that people like that, their mental illness will get ignored. So it's like here that I feel like there was kind of like an opportunity to maybe show that maybe the ins and outs a little bit of that, nursing home or just the 
whatever led to him being there, like maybe that's not as interesting as the rest of this movie, which is very rich and looks incredible for a movie that's made in that area on a, such a low budget. Uh, and I get it. You want to get outside and get to that adventure, but I do think there's a way where you can make this movie not, it's only 90 minutes, you know, I think you could have made it like, uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes longer and maybe just explored a few things like that and given you a more full picture of what led this guy to be at that point in life. And I agree with you, like that would have, uh, resulted in it, you know, accomplishing more than it ultimately did though. I do really enjoy what it ultimately accomplishes. Well, I'm not sure that more time spent in the nursing home would have helped. I think that they do illuminate the issues with how society treats people like Zach. Uh, it's just that, or just how he could, how how, he how they help. execute, yeah, how they 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 don't really know the answer to what should be done about it, but they kind of try to tackle that subject matter anyways, and it doesn't explicitly. They try to explicitly tackle that. And it doesn't work nearly as well as just watching him interact with, you know, Shia and realizing that, yes, he is his own man. No, I agree. Daniel, before we uh, get out of here, anything else you want to plug or say about these movies? Well, what do I want to plug? See, I'm not going to lie. I spent the past week just playing video games. Um, but instead of talking about the video games, I want to plug a book that relates to one of these movies. Um, like I said, that I, I'm reading a book on pre-Columbian America. Uh, it's called 1491. And it's a book that's not meant to be a comprehensive history of all the civilizations that existed before the arrival of the colonizers. But it is meant to challenge some of the you know, ingrained assumptions that we all kind of just have based on how we're taught history. Uh, we kind of are led to believe that, oh, this was kind of just a vast, empty land with scattered tribes of people who never really amounted to anything. They didn't have any grand infrastructure. They weren't they weren't masters of their domain. So when the Europeans came, it was just a lot of empty space up for grabs. Of course, there was some conflict and, you know, the Europeans did some bad things, but honestly, there was a lot of empty space. That's not true. This, um, the Americas have a long, long history. You know, civilizations that have, you know, that lasted centuries before the arrival of the Europeans. Civilizations that built upon the ruins of other civilizations. Uh, the book is meant to refute notions that, uh, you know, there is there was no people living over here. It estimates. Uh, range up to like hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds of millions of people over here in the Americas before first contact. Um, it details some of these civilizations and their social structures and how they would master their, you know, the, the, the land that they had. Uh, it honestly, I'm only in the first couple of chapters right now, I'm not going to lie, but it's, it's very illuminating. Uh, uh, they were, I'm reading a section on how the Inca Empire was felled, not because of, you know, because we, we know the Inca Empire, you know, lasted like only like a couple centuries before the arrival of the Europeans. And it was felled not because they were primitives who couldn't stand, you know, the, 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 the steel that the Europeans brought over, but because of disease that came up from Mexico, from Spanish uh, invaders in Mexico that traveled all the way down these long trade routes that they had all the way to the Inca Empire and decimated the, their ranks and population before the Europeans even arrived to the Inca Empire. All right. Well, don't give yeah. everyone the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really fascinating. If you've ever been interested in le learning a little more, challenging the assumptions that you had about history, recommend it. 1491. 
All right, there you go. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'll, I'll just plug my social media as usual: Twitter at Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y. Letterboxd, same thing. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Rewind Movie Pod. Coming up next, I think we'll have a podcast on Ready or Not. Maybe something else, and then we have, I guess, the following week we had it, Chapter Two. So everyone, stay tuned for that. Thanks to Daniel for joining us. We'll see you next time.